This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen, and I want to welcome you to the Warning Television program. Also, if you're listening on Social media are watching, welcome, as well as on Warning Radio and Shortwave. We welcome all of you. This is a live audience in our chapel here at World Ministries International. I'm going to be talking today on pursue your faith growing. We need to pursue our faith. Pursue your faith growing. Matthew 5 or 8, 5 through 11, Matthew 8, 5 through 11, is the story of the centurion's faith. Continues to inspire me regarding the level of faith we can all reach our faith potential. The centurion, just speak the word. You don't have to come, just speak the word. No one starts the faith walk with great faith. We all have been given a measure of faith. That measure of faith can grow as we gain revelation knowledge, as we believe, speak, and act on the word of God. Our faith can grow. Our faith is supposed to grow if we're healthy. We're not supposed to stay with that same measure of faith. Like a child that doesn't grow, we would call it retarded. A Christian, if they call themselves a Christian and their faith doesn't grow, we would call that retarded. In other words, something is wrong with your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Your faith is supposed to grow. Romans 12, 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Even though we all have a measure of faith, and even though it's supposed to grow, we still need to understand it's the grace of God. Without a relationship with God, our faith can't grow. It all comes from God. We need to understand it. No matter how mighty we come in the Lord, the apostles, Paul and others, they realized their faith and the grace came from God. If you remember, Paul, I'm the worst sinner. Sanhedrin, 
persecuted the church. Then he became truly a man of God, living faith. In other words, faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who represented God on earth, who is part of God on earth, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He realized that even though, and I've used Paul as an example, especially when I was a younger man, I thought he was the greatest example to be used in the New Testament because no matter what happened, he pursued deeper faith. He was unstoppable. I just came from a conference where the theme was unstoppable. We're supposed to be unstoppable. It didn't matter what happened to Paul. He was unstoppable. Look at all of the persecution, the trials he went through. Yet Paul was unstoppable. His faith wasn't deterred. Faith is not emotions. It's obeying the will of God. His faith, his obedience to God was not in any way distracted. He was unstoppable. And for that reason, his faith continued to grow. Right to the very end, he wasn't afraid to lay down his life because his faith now was so very strong. To live, I live for God. To die, it's better yet. How many people say that? Not a whole lot of today's Christians that are so weak in their faith or they don't have faith. It's all mental assent, realizing God is there, but yet their faith is in serving themselves. They depend on themselves. They trust in themselves. And that's why they deny the word of God when it comes to a test. Do they stand up for God? Do they keep their mouth shut? Do they run, hide, lie? Like some of the apostles did when they were disciples before they grew in their faith. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. You know, that is really a measure of faith. Does our love grow for each other? Can we love each other? Can we forgive one another? It bothers me when people in their relationships cannot forgive one another. Because there are strong words from God himself. If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. Wow. You say, but I, I'm a, a person of faith. Are you? Real faith is love. God is love. And yet if we say we cannot forgive, we cannot love, what kind of faith do you possess? Mental assent? Faith in yourself? It's something we need to take seriously and evaluate our relationship. What kind of faith do we have? To me, it's interesting to see that faith is measurable, can be increased to reach the fullest potential of, quote, great faith. Do you want great faith? I want great faith. Jesus measured people's faith when ministering to them. He would make the statement like, according to your faith, be it done to you. Wow. Indicating that some people have greater faith than others. When I went into Rwanda, you know, they had finished killing 1.3 million people. I still had to fast 42 days to go there 
Fasting, as I've explained before, is a matter of denying self. In other words, eating is self-preservation. Deny self, a total fast. So instead of preserving yourself, a reflection of your pride, you're depending totally on God. You're putting on his spirit, his strength, his will, his word, his reality flowing through you. And then I went into Rwanda. My faith grew as my act of obedience went into a country that most people were running from. Why couldn't most people go in instead of run away? Their faith was weak. They wanted to preserve themselves, self-preservation. And I'm not saying all of them were wrong. I'm just saying, did they ever say, God, what do you want me to do? I know a lot of missionaries ran in World War II. My father was a member of the family of the Hansen family, Harold and Letta Hansen in China, 30 years, first missionaries under the Assemblies of God in northern China. And when the order came, leave, you'll all be arrested. Most left of every denomination, they ran. My grandfather prayed and said, God told us to stay with the church. They said, don't you realize you could be killed? You will be arrested. You will be tortured. God told me to stay with the church. They were arrested. They were tortured. His son-in-law, a pastor, shot and killed in the head. I consider my grandfather great faith because he wanted only the will of God. Great faith. Realizing to be absent from the body is present with the Lord and there is no harm done when God promotes you to heaven. Oh, you of little faith. According to your faith, be it done unto you. He also located the faith level of Peter in Matthew 14, 31, when he said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter tried to walk in the level of faith that Jesus was operating in, but was not quite ready to believe beyond the five senses longer than a few minutes. The phrase little faith here actually means faith did not last very long or short-lived faith. What are the five senses? Sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. Remember? Doubting Thomas? I need to touch him. And Jesus said, then touch me. Put your fingers in my hand, in my side. He said, okay, I believe. Jesus wasn't happy with his faith. Oh, but you that believe without having to touch me. He thought Thomas should have been able to believe, and he should have. Jesus not only measures our faith when we are wanting to receive from God, but he looks for faith when we approach him. As proved from the story of the paralytic who was lowered through a roof by his friends. Now, his friends had a measure of faith, or they wouldn't have gone through that bother. They had a measure of faith. Quote, when he saw their faith, unquote, Luke 5.20. When he saw their faith, they lowered him through the roof because they believed Jesus could do it. Jesus witnessed their faith. Faith 5.20, faith that can receive from God, is so vital that Jesus will be looking for it when he returns. He says, will I find faith when I return? That's a just question, especially today when everything is topsy-turvy. When they've twisted the word of God and they lie about it. 
all sorts of abominations in the church and ordaining some of these abominations. Drag queens. Ordained. Now in the Methodist church. Will I find faith? Jesus said. Again, Luke 5.20, faith that can receive from God is vital. And Jesus is looking for it today. I surmise that he will be expecting to see a lot of great faith by that time. Will the Son of Man find faith when he returns to earth? Luke 18.8. He will be looking for faith. Are we looking for his return? Have we kept his commandments? Is the word of God sacred and holy? Do we live by them? Do we honor them? Do we make decisions by God's word? Are we truly people of faith? Or do we twist the word of God to make it more convenient for us so family and friends don't criticize us? That's not great faith. That's weak faith, if faith at all. That's faith in yourself. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. We will be persecuted, family and friends. Not every family member has great faith or faith. Some of them have no faith. Let's look at four keys in the development of great faith that we can see clearly in the life of a centurion that amazed Jesus with his faith. The centurion. One, recognition of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Matthew 8, 5 through 6. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, now I've been to Capernaum. I've taught in the synagogue where Jesus taught. Great thrill. I'm sure you have been there. A centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Capernaum. When I was there, speaking, teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum, I thought of these things. That's what made it so special. Jesus was there. Yahshua, my Lord, my Savior, my God. Someone has correctly stated that, quote, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Is he your Lord, your God? To believe means adhere, rely, trust, and obey. It doesn't mean mentally recognize the de- Demons and the devil mentally recognize and know God is God, but they disobey, they rebel. How many Christians recognize he's God but live in total rebellion? There's a lot out there. Total rebellion. They don't care what the word of God says. They think they are progressing and evolutionizing the word of God. What vanity. God doesn't change. How can you change God and his character and his laws and his morality and his ethics and his values? Pastor, if you're watching, what little faith you have, if any, but you have a lot of vanity. The second area, key to development of great faith, clearly that the centurion had was humility. Matthew 8.8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Humility is the opposite of pride and vanity. How many people expect when you go somewhere to be just front and center, head of the table? Now, I'm even speaking to a lot of pastors. Why isn't the gifts of the Holy Spirit moving so much? Maybe there's too much pride in you, especially if you reject 
the Holy Spirit saying it's not for today. There's a lot of pride in you. So arrogant, you think denomination can change the word of God? Jesus said, go tarry before you try to represent me and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about baptized, overflowing, speaking in tongues, moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural gifts. I'll tell you right now, if your pastor doesn't move in the Holy Spirit, doesn't move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, leave that church. Ichabod, Ichabod. The Lord has departed. He's so vain. He doesn't even recognize what God said is a mandate, a prerequisite before ministry even starts. Leave the church. Find a humble pastor that believes in the word of God, that doesn't offend the Holy Spirit, but wants to draw nigh unto the Holy Spirit to move in more powerful ways. Humility is a proper estimation of self. Pride is an overestimation of self. This centurion knew that he was not deserving. Even though he was a great man, led many men. That's, that's good, isn't it? He's not deserving of God's help because of who he was or what he had done, but all that God does for us is done as a free gift. He had earned his position and probably rightly Deserving to lead a level and amount of the armies of Caesar of Rome. Qualified. But yet he wasn't so arrogant in himself, in his pride, that he doesn't realize a greater than he is here, Jesus Christ. And when he compares his life to Jesus, I'm not worthy. That should be all of us. I don't care if you're president of the United States. I'm not worthy. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Wow. Realizing that all good things come from God. Yes, people move some and greater faith than others. Yet, the reality, it's still from God. When we realize it, we stay humble. No matter how much we grow in our faith, like the apostles. Yet, I am not worthy, Peter said, crucify me upside down. That's the right attitude, even though such a strong leader in the church before he died. I'm not worthy. Number three, again, we're looking at keys of development of great faith. Understanding God's will. Matthew 7, 7, Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Disease is not from God or from Jesus. Disease is from hell itself, the devil. We resist disease, amen? We resist it. We don't cooperate it. Some people don't understand that and they just cooperate till they die. I'm sad, sad that those type of people are so foolish and those around them or they attend a church so foolishly just smile as you die. We're not supposed to be a... Afraid of death, but we need to know our enemies when we're alive. We can pray for healing. Disease isn't from God. I'm praying that I'm strong all the days of my life. I want to follow Moses. Give me 120 years and Caleb, and let me be strong. Amen? Amen. I will take this mountain. Recently, people said, pastors, goodness, Pastor Hanson, you don't seem to age. You're stronger than I am. And these are people in, you know, 20, 30 years younger. Well, thank God, the grace is God. 
but I'm praying that way. <laughs> Let me be strong all the days of my life. Let me fight for you, Jesus, all the days of my life. I want to tap into the word of God and hold on to it and not doubt. Oh, I've got to act like a grandpa because I'm so-and-so years of age. No, no, no. I'm going to act like a young man in my prime. Amen? Dan, we have just begun. We have just begun. Amen. Amen. That's the right place for Dan to say amen. Amen. <laughs> Again, understanding God's will, Matthew 7, 7. I will come and heal him. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. A great apostle of faith said, faith begins where God is known. Faith begins where, where the will of God is known. We must be convinced of God's will before we can pray in faith. Oh, hallelujah. That's why when I go to people who are sick, I, can, I know God's will. It's not for them to die. Not from disease. Let's resist the disease. Look to God. Amen? It doesn't matter then when God chooses later, but they don't need to die with disease. We resist it. And when we've done all we can, then we submit our, our life like King David did and said, your will be done. My son died anyway. Your will be done. Then we accept what is already accomplished. But we resist it until that time comes. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. With this understanding, you can go places and seek great healings and miracles. Knowing it's God's will, you deal with people. If they're in sin, you lead them in repentance so they can be healed. Jesus says, call the elders of the church. Why? Not so they just pray for them to evaluate. If there's sin, they lead you in repentance. Then let the healing come. Because our self, our pride, our rebellion, our sin stops that gift from flowing, healing. And four, understanding the faith of, the nature of faith. Understanding the nature of faith. Matthew 8, 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. I, I, I like that. Speak the word only. My servant will be healed. Real faith requires no proof, no evidence from the five senses. Again, sight, hearing, taste, smell, touch. We're not doubting Thomas. But believe with a heart, faith is the sixth sense. It's the sixth sense. Faith is the sixth sense. We have a sixth sense. Hallelujah. Matthew 8.10, when we read the astonishing words of the master, affirming a level of faith of this Roman soldier, quote, Jesus said, I have found no faith is great, not even in Israel. What a compliment. I have not found so great faith, not even in Israel. Wow. And so many of the Jews were so haughty. Yet Jesus said, this Gentile, I haven't found so great faith in Israel. Praise God. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
One, for the renewed mind, the supernatural is normal, the resulting of faith. Two, let the Jesus in you minister through you and do the works that Jesus did when he walked the earth in the form of man. Let your faith continue. So Jesus continues in you in the form of man to accomplish where he left off walking on earth. Jesus is not coming out of heaven. You have that responsibility to win the nations. You have that responsibility to save the nations. He comes back at the battle of Armageddon, removes evil governments, put in righteous leaders. But until that time, he said for you to go tarry and to continue where I left off. I commission you. You are my ambassadors. And to accomplish a lot, it takes great faith. And that faith in all of us can grow to great faith. The transformed, renewed mind operates in miracles, whereas studying the word alone predict, produces only a critical spirit. Hope you caught that. We don't want a critical spirit. We want a transformed mind, a renewed mind operating in miracles. Great faith. You can have it. Go to my website, www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagle Saving Nations. Help me to bring a great awakening through America. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.